what's going on guys and our loyal listeners we have ourselves a free agency special coming up for you i'm caleb and my good friend actually scratch that great friend amir we're gonna go ahead and talk about some free agency deals for you amir is there anything you'd like to add on to that yeah i'd like to uh, add on that uh welcome back to the dimers podcast for whatever reason caleb forgot that this was the dimers podcast and he forgot about our name and he forgot about you guys so welcome back Happy to have you guys back again for episode number seven. Lucky number seven, Caleb. You ready for this one? Oh, I'm stupid excited. Let's get to it. NBA Free Agency 2020. We covered the draft with you guys last week. And this week, we want to go over some of the free agent signings. We had some predictions for you guys. You guys can go back and watch and tell us what we got right, what we got wrong. Um, But we want to start off with some big news that happened during this free agency. The biggest news that happened wasn't a signing for any new player or any new team. It actually was De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell getting the Supermax. Caleb! That's our guys, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox. How you feel about that? I am super excited. Actually, the jersey behind me, I didn't take the tags off yet. I wanted to make sure he signed the extension before I took the tags off. Because if he didn't sign it, I was just going to return it. But uh-huh. we don't have to worry about that. Well, super excited. Tags on these. <laughs> Why do you still have the tags on them? I, I got them today. And uh, we were in a little bit of rush. This so I, I didn't steal these. Hey, well, you know, if, even if you did. Welcome to 2020, you know. But I think all three players that got the max, I I think they all deserve it. I think it's perfectly fine to get them. People are going to argue about Fox, but I'm not so sure that there's that giant – there's that big of a gap between Fox and Mitchell, to be honest with you. Um, there's obviously a better roster in Utah. Not No offense to your Sacramento Kings, but – Here we go, the weekly I, shot. I didn't – no. I would argue that that's pretty close in talent. It's just – and people were going to say, Caleb, what the hell are you saying? I mean, what the heck are you saying? And I'm going to be like, well, listen, you don't watch enough Sacramento Kings basketball. And quite frankly, I don't blame you for that. But I think that they're all close. I, I don't know. I think that it's a great – I think it's a great deal. I think all three of them well, well, well worth it. I, I don't think you can argue that it was a bad time. Yeah, I will say congrats to the Kings. They got the five-year max for De'Aaron. It was $160 million potentially going up to 197 million based off incentives. So I think if he gets 170 million, he'll get 170 million if he makes the third team, 180 million if he makes the all NBA second team, and then the 197 full if he makes uh, all NBA first team. And I saw with Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, they had the same thing in that, but I think they're getting 197 guaranteed. So uh, I don't know if there's, a little bit less for De'Aaron. I don't know if the Kings got De'Aaron for a little bit less, but excluding that, the one thing I will say that the Kings got is they got the five-year fully guaranteed. With Tatum and Mitchell signing a day later, they both asked for player options on their last year, which that's fine. There's probably no no reason to read into it too much. I think it's just freedom based off of, hey, the salary cap might boost up. I don't want to be making $30 million. 35 million. I want to make 50, 60 million. And you can't blame them. So uh, I understand why they did that. I'm excited to see what, what these three teams will do. I did have a question for you, Caleb. Fire. 
of these three players, which ones do you see remaining throughout their entire five-year contract and possibly signing another one? And which ones do you see not even making it to the next contract? Well, I'm going to say Jason Tatum has the best chance to sign longer. I think I think him being a Kobe fan helps us low-key because I know his mom always talks about his Celtics legacy and how he wanted to be this giant thing. And we hear players say that all the time, right? Last episode I mentioned you can't take what players say with 100% guarantee. But Tatum is such a big Kobe guy, I think it might help us in the end. Now, the guy that I think might not make it no. – I have to say it. I'm sorry. It's not, you know, it could either be Fox or Mitchell. It could be either one because Mitchell has had, he, he doesn't really necessarily get along greatly with Gobert. I think they're, I think he and Gobert are mature enough to put it behind him when they're on the court, but like one bad stretch, like two years down the road, it could screw a lot up. You know what I mean? Like if you go on like a 15 game stretch where you're losing a lot and you're not getting your normal touches, it could hit the fan, but if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say Fox. I just – it just happens. I'm going to disagree. No, you know what? You're wrong. You're just wrong, Caleb. You want to know why you're wrong? Why? Because to me, here's the thing. If I had to pick a player, I'm 100% agreeing with you. I'm going Jason Tatum. Uh, I think getting drafted by Boston, he's had success early on. That's kind of his legacy to me. I see him being as a Boston Celtic lifer. I think he wants his jersey retired there. He wants to win however many championships. But I think, to me, Jason Tatum seems like a guy that's more uh, worried about his legacy long-term with one team. And another player like that, to me, is De'Aaron. And here's my argument for De'Aaron Fox. Fox pushed himself to come to the Kings three years back, right, before the draft. And Obviously, that's before the draft. That could be due to fit. That could be due to a lot of things. But he chose to go fifth, a few spots back, then going earlier, maybe second, maybe third. So doing that, it tells me, okay, De'Aaron has interest in the city of Sacramento and wants to be a part of the team, part of the franchise. And here's my reasoning why. If you see a lot of De'Aaron's videos and the way he talks, he gets Sacramento, and I think he gets Kings fans. He understands the fact that this team has nothing and we haven't had any good player in years. De'Aaron has the potential to be the best player in Sacramento Kings history. If you know Kings fans, you know one thing. If you're one, if you're the best player in our franchise, we'll treat you like a god. And two, you'll be if you win a championship, good luck. Like at that point, you're getting a statue, you're getting everything. Yes. Do you really think he's better than Brad Miller? You're talking about, okay. Back to what I was saying. I don't see De'Aaron leaving in the long run just because I think unless the Kings absolutely screw him over, which is not out of the realm, I think he's planning on staying here and just building his legacy here. Because like I said, if he even gets to the playoffs, if they build some type of a contending legacy, he will be the face of this franchise forever. And if he goes somewhere else, he goes to a big city like a lot of these young players, you're just another player. And I think that's why he didn't want to go to the Lakers. We got that. I mean, he was against going to the Lakers. He would have rather been on the Kings because this is a long-term legacy move for him. To me, I think Donovan Mitchell is the guy that will leave. Utah and him don't really have a good relationship. He was forced to be drafted by Utah. It wasn't like a Tatum or Fox saying, I want to go here. 
it's just difficult for me to see Donovan Mitchell stay there for longer than his rookie deal. And maybe he'll stay longer, but I just don't see it. I agree. I feel like Mitchell, like you brought up with, with Fox and how he wanted to go to Sacramento. And I know Tatum didn't want to go to Boston, but that was because he didn't think he'd have playing time, which we see three years into his career, he made an all-NBA team. He got playing time. Mitchell, though, it just seems like, I don't know, maybe I don't watch enough Donovan Mitchell interviews, to be honest with you, but I just don't think, like, I ever hear him really praise Utah without being, like, like you know what I mean, encouraged to do it, like, questions about it and stuff. But I don't know. I could see him leave. I don't know. I, you're right, though. Utah and him, I don't know. I just don't well, – why would somebody want to stay in Utah? I, I well, don't, here's my thing. Even if he would want to stay in Utah – you know how Donovan Mitchell is. Have you seen his commercials lately? They're very um, – what's the word for it? They're pushing a certain message, right? And he's trying to push a specific message. And in Utah, in a very different area with different political views, it's mm-hmm. it just doesn't match to me. And I don't see them – because of his beliefs, they don't agree with his beliefs and like what he's doing, and he wants to speak out. So I just think that's a huge clash. and. You got to remember, if that's your fan base, if that's who's ride or die for you, you want that person to like you as a person, not just as a player, you know, and that's a big thing with athletes. I don't know why more small market teams don't sell the players. I mean, I'm sure they try to, but like what you said with Fox, like these young players go to these big markets because they want, because they think like they'll get all like the glitz and glamour and stuff, but then like their legacy really suffers from it. Like if you think about it, look at these young teams, right? Or these small markets. You have teams like um, the Hornets. They don't really get anybody. And they don't – to me, it's more about how much do people care basketball. Memphis, they don't have large followings of people that care. Phoenix. And then the East Coast is a whole different story. you got a ton of teams that are non-playoff teams. They don't care. I've been to Washington Wizards games when they're in the playoffs. And it was ridiculously cheap. No, nobody was at the games. Like, mm-hmm. it just depends on going to a city that really, really likes basketball. And for us, Boston, Sacramento, they love basketball. Utah loves basketball, but Utah loves basketball. They don't love the player. And I think mm-hmm. that's where it gets messed up. And we'll see in the long run. I don't know who, if, if any of the three, will even make it through their next contract. But I'm hoping it's at least Fox and Tatum. Forget yeah. Donovan Mitchell. For sure. Speaking of another player that made a splash during free agency, this is probably the biggest splash. I know you you hate to hear it. I hate to hear it. Montrez Harrell signs with the Los Angeles Lakers. How do you feel about that, Caleb? How the hell do the Lakers finesse getting Montrez Harrell? Bro, I'm telling you, like, Rich Paul, like, he's a good agent for big names. Like, guys like Montrez Harrell, he could have got more money than that. I'm going to be 100% honest. Two years, $19 million. Yeah, the fact he took that – God, man, that, that makes me so mad. Because, like, Rich Paul's main thing with him being an agent is wanting to boost his star's legacies, right? Which, no problem with that. But at a certain point, players have to realize they're getting turned into chess pieces, and people are going to say, oh, look, the Celtics fan is complaining about the Lakers. No, I'm not. If this happened on any other team – I want the players to be able to maximize their value, right? That's my big thing. Like, I've mentioned that previous episodes. I want players to get the most money they can possibly get. Montrez Harrell got 
he got turned into a chess piece in a massive game of chess, right? But the Lakers are able to do it. And you know what? If the if it falls into your lap like that, you got to sign that kind of a player. And people are going to say, well, he's not that good defensively. Well, he's not. But he's also not going to be asked to do a ton. He's going to be like their seventh man or, or eighth man off the bench. Like, they're fine. They, he's fine there. That's a boost off the bench. Yeah, when you have a six-man type of a player coming to a championship team, man, that's, that's a huge upgrade, especially given the fact that they had Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee who both – couldn't get minutes in the playoffs because they were getting absolutely embarrassed on the defensive end and on offense. They were not feeling fitting well with Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. I think getting KCP back, getting Marcus all it's a decent pickup for them. But from what we've seen lately, Marcus all is not that same player. Yeah. Markeith Morris, decent pickup. I really like Markeith. I like the Morris brothers. I think, I think they're good for basketball. I mean, they have an old style, old school style of play. Like, tough, gritty. I like it. I think those guys are good players to have on your team. Yeah, I like that old-school style of basketball that they bring, like you said. Well, they just don't care. Like, they will literally get in your best player's face just to give them a little bit more of a competitive edge. I mean, we saw Marcus Morris doing that with Luka. He was trying to get Luka to get pissed off, trying to see, okay, let me poke the bear. Let's see if it works because, hey, if I poke him and he turns the wrong way, that can give our team a huge advantage, and that's why you need players like that. And yeah. another pickup the Lakers had was Wes Matthews. And again, nothing great. Lakers seem to go for these guys that are past their primes, and especially at the shooting guard spot. But I'm not against it. I just don't think it puts them over the line. Dude. They also added Dennis Schroeder, right? I mean, that's the sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell, and then the runner-up in Schroeder, now on the Lakers. Like, they're my favorite to repeat. I'll, I'll just say it right now. Like, later down the road before the season starts, we'll do a preseason prediction stuff. But I'm just going to admit it now. That's my pick. Yeah, I, if you saw my Twitter, I said the same exact thing. As soon as Montrez signed, I was like, well, Lakers are repeating. It's over. Don't even get your hopes up if you're another fan base because the Lakers got better – and a lot of teams got worse. And one of those teams that got worse was the Clippers. Not only did they lose six-man of the year Montrez Harrell and probably their only decent big besides Zubats, they only added Ibaka, this whole free agency. And Ibaka, don't get me wrong, I really like Ibaka. I wish he would have played more for Toronto. Um, and, and I saw you talk about that too, Caleb, about how you wanted him to play more. Let's – if. If Nick Nurse played him over Marcus All, and this isn't another dig at the Lakers, but this is like an honest thing. Like, if you watch that series, Ibaka was killing us nonstop, like pick and pop threes. He was being big defensively. Like, if if Nick Nurse played him the minutes that Marcus All got, they more than likely beat us. And that's not even an exaggeration because he was torching us. It's like Celtics fans were on Twitter begging Nick Nurse to put Marcus All back in. Well, you guys got your wish and you guys ended up getting Marcus all back in. And like you said, I think the Clippers got a big piece with Ibaka. But again, I just don't see them getting any better. I think they got worse. I think replacing Ibaka with Montrez Harrell is not an upgrade. I don't think that's a major downgrade, but it's absolutely a downgrade. And yeah, it sucks for the Clippers because I really wanted to see what they would do. Now the question to you, Caleb, what happens with Kawhi Leonard? Kawhi Leonard has a year left on his contract. I hope you guys realize that. Kawhi is about to be a free agent next year. He hasn't had much success there. What do you think he's going to do? 
It depends on the season. I think they're lucky because he wanted to play for L.A., like an L.A. team because he's from L.A. They get a little bit of slack there. But, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on that. Like, you need to make a move to get you closer. Losing, losing Harrell is a big loss. And people are going to say, well, he sucked defensively, like I said earlier. But he's better than the bench big they have now. Well, I guess their bench big now is Ibaka. But, like, I, I don't know. I still might take Harrell over Ibaka, I'll be honest. Well, you think about it. You're losing the Lou will Montrez harrell connection, which if you guys saw last year in the playoffs, and especially the year before – when you saw them against the Warriors, they were taking on a Warriors championship team as, a, as an eight seed, and they were fighting. So that's a huge part of Montrez's game is him and Lou Will have a very good connection. I wonder how that will happen in, in L.A. with the Lakers now, but I think a big loss for the Clippers. I'll see, I want to see what they do next. I mean, when you lose a guy like that, you got to replace him. They don't have the ability to get back to the championship and not back to the championship. They don't have the ability to get to the championship because the Lakers got significantly better and especially their bench improved. The Clippers bench got worse. And the only thing they really did from their last season roster was add Marcus Morris. So not really uh, too high on what the Clippers did. We'll see what happens with them. Speaking of that coach that you mentioned earlier with Nick Nurse, let's talk about Toronto. Uh, this is surprising to both of us. Fred Van Fleet went back to Toronto after they signed mini Fred Van Fleet. Yeah, I didn't expect that move. That was – I don't know. But I'm not going to complain about it. Like, Fred Van Fleet is good. But – I don't know. I just I couldn't see that happen. And then again, Kyle Lowry's older. He only has one more year left. Maybe their plan is to just let Lowry walk. And but if that's the plan, Clippers should go get Kyle Lowry. They should find a way to do it because he's a better he's a better starter than Patrick Beverly, and he's a playoff performer. And I don't know how you feel about Kyle Lowry, but I like watching him. But I don't know if if your goal is to let him walk. Sure, bring back Fred VanVleet. You know what I mean? Because then. You move Fred VanVleet up, and then the next Fred VanVleet steps into Fred VanVleet's old, ro- old role, and then you have it. It's like a seamless transition. If you let him walk, all I'm saying is make sure you're behind him so then you can get a nice view. Wow. Toronto also signed Aaron Baines and Alex Len um, because they lost Serge Ibaka. Two very good pickups for them. I, like, I really like Aaron Baines. And as a Kings fan, I'll tell you guys, Alex Lynn is a huge pickup for your end-of-the-bench type of guy. That's huge. And I know people are like, well, Alex Lynn is a scrub. What does huge end-of-the-bench type of guy mean? Well, to me, that's when you have a guy like Aaron Baines go down and he's hurt. And Toronto's weak on their – you know, they're thin on their, their bigs. That's when you bring a guy in like Alex Len. Alex Len can rebound. He can score the ball. He's a decent defender. Very, very good rebounder. Uh, very good offensive rebounder as well. I think he has the whole package for an old-school style big man. And especially if you're getting him at the end of the bench, I really like that. Toronto, I'm going to give them um, – and I know we weren't giving grades, but I'll give them an A-. minus. I think I really like what they did. Oh, yeah. I don't know what more they could have done. I mean, maybe you tell me. Were they are they missing something? I don't think. I mean, like Baines and Len, that's good value signings. Like I just I don't know. Brought Fred VanVleet back. I don't. They didn't get worse. I'll say that. One team that debatedly got worse, or debatedly, 
I mean, we don't know what's going on with this team. Somebody call Michael Jordan. Do you have Michael Jordan's number, Caleb? No, I don't, sadly. I wish I did. I wish you did, too, because then we could ask him, what is going on with the Charlotte Hornets? Gordon Hayward signs with the Charlotte Hornets for a four-year, $120 million. This is one-legged Gordon Hayward. Keep that in mind. This is, on the end of his career, older Gordon Hayward, older 30s Gordon Hayward. I just, I don't understand it. I don't get what Charlotte's doing. <laughs> Please get MJ on the phone. That was a bad signing. I just, I mean, Gordon Hayward, he's, he, he can bad? get. Bad? Yeah, it was bad. It was horrific. It was horrible. Gordon Hayward can give you games of like 17, 7, and 5, right? But you're paying so much money for a guy who can give you at like this was his best season since the injury, right? He gave us 17, 7, and 7, I think. <laughs> you're Four paying years. That's like listen, I'll say this. If that was a one year, like a one plus one with like the team option, if that was a one plus one whatever because you can get out of it in one year you know what i mean but four years and you're basically committed to that money right after you got out of the nicholas batum thing bro you got to be better than that michael jordan you have to be better than that and you know it's funny hayward is his best version whenever he has the ball in his hands to be able to create for others right he can create for others create for himself he's pretty good at it i'll, I'll admit it but Lamelo ball i don't think he's good off the ball at all like i think Lamelo needs to have the ball in his hands so Gordon essentially is going to get turned into like a, like a, you know what I mean? Like a, a power forward. Cause he's, I don't think he's going to be good next year. I'm going to be honest. He's going to have to go down to a small ball position. I don't think he's going to be good. And I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a good look. I, I think, I think by all-star break, they're like, shit, we screwed up. Cause he's going to get hurt again. And I know that sounds messed up to say, he could not stay healthy at all for us. It was always something. Hand. It wasn't even the ankle, really. It was the hand, knee, like hamstring, like every hip. Everything could get hurt. Not a good look. I, I don't like that signing. I completely agree. I would say that I think a huge part of these confusing signings that come from the Hornets has a lot to do with who Jordan hired. You know who's that GM there? Yeah. Mitch Kupchak. Mitch. Mitch Kupchak, do you remember the last big deal that Mitch Kupchak signed? Who was it? Was it was it on the Lakers? Mm-hmm. What was it? First signing of 2016 NBA free agency, <laughs> Timofey Mozgov. Do you remember that insane deal, Caleb? Do you yeah. remember waking up and seeing, wait, Timothy Mozgov got a four-year, $64 million contract and pr never played a game with the Lakers, I'm pretty sure. I don't think he played a game after maybe one season. It was really bad. Like, it was horrifically bad. Didn't they have to trade D'Angelo Russell with Timothy Mozgov to get out of that contract? Yeah, they – Man, the Lakers were pretty much strapped after that. And I think that's what you're seeing with Charlotte now is Terry Rozier. I mean, Scary Terry, we talked about him. 
that's too much for Scary Terry. Too much for Gordon Hayward. I am nervous <laughs> for how much LaMelo Ball is going to get based on his production. And I'm, I, I'm partly kidding, but my point is, in the long run, the Hornets won't have cap space after this. Huge, huge mistake. They're most likely, I'm calling it now for those of you who are going to watch this in about a year and a half to two years, Gordon Hayward is going to be gone by that time. He will not be on your team. And guess what? You're not only going to lose him, but you're going to lose most likely a first rounder and a young asset just to get rid of him. So, yeah, I don't know. Change your GM, Michael Jordan. Like it's, it's not that hard. Mike, LeBron James is a better GM than Michael Jordan is. And LeBron's not even a GM yet. Would, would you rather have Mitch Kupchak or... Don't say it. Vladi. Who would you rather have? I'm going to be honest with you, Amir. I'd probably rather have Vladi because he's not going to just throw away money and have you guys strapped out in, in like the cap room and everything. Really? Because he signed George Hill and Zebo to major deals. Well, and Ken Catanella is the reason why Vladi Divac is not completely strapped at the cap space. Look at the Kings right now. We'll get to them in a second. But right now, they're absolutely strapped with cash that they <laughs> – well, I'm not going to talk about it. Let's, let's just there. stop. Let's just calm down. Let's all – let's take a step Let's back. go to your team. Let's go to your team. Let's go to the Celtics. I don't want to talk about my team. Let's go to the team that lost Gordon Hayward. How did you feel about that, Caleb? I want to ask you – I know you guys didn't get to fill his position for that 30-whatever mil because when you lose it, you lose it for that position. But how did you guys feel about losing him? I was ready to move on. But my thing was I wanted to execute a sign-and-trade and and bring something back. You wanted to execute him? No, execute a sign-and-trade. Jeez, a whiz. My gosh. But I wanted to get a sign-and-trade because I wanted to get something back. But losing him, in my opinion, wasn't that bad of a – wasn't that big of a deal because for the past three years, we've had this thing of, is Gordon Hayward back? Is he going to be back? Is he going to be healthy? Can we count on Gordon Hayward? It's a lot to worry about whenever, if you can replace that with like healthy productive minutes from like your other wings and stuff, I think it's okay to lose them. I know it sucks to lose that money, not get anything in return. You know what I mean? But like, first off, Never, if if the Celtics would have signed him to that deal that he got from Charlotte, if they'd have been like, listen, we'll we'll give you the same thing, I wouldn't be here today. I'd I'd quit basketball viewing. I'd shut down the laptop, shut down the podcast. I'd be gone forever. I would not want to pay Gordon Hayward that much money. So losing him, it sucks. It does suck, but not the biggest deal in the world. I think our free agent signings were very good. I love Tristan Thompson. That deal is. That's, that's a really good deal. That deal is chef's kiss, right? That's a perfect situation. You add him, you add him beautifully into the big man rotation. And I think he starts and that pushes Tice to the bench roll. And I've been saying for a long time, Daniel Tice, good center, not a starter, but he'd be a productive bench big, right? We like that move. Jeff Teague, right? Replaces Brad Wanamaker. That stinks because I'm a pit fan as well. So losing Brad Wanamaker, I'm like, oh, I'm, makes me sad. You know what I mean? But Jeff Teague, an upgrade over Wanamaker. The parts we lost, we improved, like Enos Canner, gone. That's flexing on that one. But that's personal bias. Dude, I trust me, Tristan Thompson's better. Listen, I'm not gonna get into this argument because this will turn into a rant, and that's not what I'm ranting about on this episode. And that's my rant for today. Oh my gosh. Okay, well. 
listen. I want to. I want to get into it. We improve. I, I would say I'd give our offseason. I mean, our free agency a B minus. I'll say B minus. No. You don't think it's that high? No. Why? Tristan Thompson, absolute A plus signing. I think that's probably one of my favorite sneaky signings of this offseason. The Celtics were in desperate need for a defensive big, and especially rebounding wise, I think you guys struggled a lot on the offensive oh, rebounding button and on the defensive end. And I think Tristan Thompson's a huge pickup. A lot of people hate on Tristan because of his contract. I think if you look at him for his face value, he's a much better player than what his contract shows. And I was really looking forward to see him get off of that large deal to see where he goes next and see how he does on a lower contract because people are like, Oh, Tristan Thompson sucks. He's not worth 20 million, whatever for a guy that gets six points and 11 rebounds. But you're not talking about someone that's meant to score the ball. You're talking about a big man who's, again, you're using him for rebounding for the defensive end, for a position of need for the Celtics for a long time, ever since, you guys have had Kevin Garnett and the other guy we won't speak of. But I'm not mentioning his name. But the other signing, Jeff T. I would rather have Brad Wanamaker on a four year deal than have Jeff T. And here's my reasoning why Jeff T is no longer that same player. Now, I get it. He played for two non-playoff teams in Atlanta and Minnesota last year. But when he played, he just wasn't producing at all. He was In Atlanta, he was struggling a lot. He had seven points, um, and he was shooting a, a really low clip. With Minnesota, it was a little bit better. He, has, he was averaging 13 points a game, and I get it. He's going to be a backup point guard for you guys. I just don't see the value in Jeff Teague. I, I don't see him fitting your timeline. And I didn't like the pickup. But I did, again, I really like Tristan. So I would probably give it C plus, B minus. Says, well, okay, so don't treat me like I'm an idiot whenever I gave it that grade. No, I know. I just wanted to argue with you. Wow, okay. Now, I agree, though. Jeff Teague, like, here's the thing with Brad Wanamaker and Jeff Teague. This is what I told my dad, who is a very big Celtics fan, right? I said, listen. Wanamaker is like you find a hundred dollars on the street, right? And Jeff Teague is like you find a hundred dollars on the street, and there's also a five dollar bill next to it. Like, yeah, it's more, but it's not like an exponential upgrade like Thompson over Cantor was. But I don't know. I, I'm leave Ennis Cantor alone. No, and you know what really sucks? Harry Giles has to be in the same locker room as Ennis Cantor now. Harry Giles and, and man, I, I don't. I'm not again. You are making me mad. I'm not talking about Harry Giles right now. We're, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about Atlanta, okay? We're going to talk about Jeff Teague's former team, the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks decided to go for the major splash, except they were kind of the, the fat kid jumping into the pool of splash. It wasn't really as big as a splash as we thought. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, like, relax, kid. They signed, at first, Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo... Good pickup. I like him. High IQ player. You guys have heard it. Me and Caleb have mentioned him pretty much every podcast how much we love him. I like that as a backup guard. Gallinari getting that much money. I don't know. Three years, 
$62 million. That's $20 million a year. Um, they have John Collins they got to figure out what to do with because he wants a max extension. Do not give John Collins a max extension. Fun fact, listen, when ESPN tweeted about De'Aaron Fox getting the max extension, right, somebody said in the comments, and I sent it to Abe. Abe, if you're listening, we'll get to you later. I sent it to Abe, and I said, listen, look at what people are saying. And the comment says, so De'Aaron Fox gets a max contract, but John Collins gets laughed out of the building, and he goes, shaking my head. He goes, Collins is better. That's right, John Collins, which is a no. That's a massive no. He's absolutely not better. But I think you do underrate John Collins. I really like him. I don't think he's worth the max, but I think he's one of the better young players. I'm going to go hot take. I would take him over Bagley. Okay. I, I won't argue with that. I, I will admit that I underrate Collins, but that is strictly because I do not like John Collins fans. I got into a nasty argument with a John Collins fan on Twitter, and he called me a bozo for no reason. So uh, I sparked PTSD in a mirror. I'm sorry. Listen, I don't like John Collins, okay? But I will say that the Hawks are probably going to be like a fun six or seven or – no, probably a seven or eight seed in the East. They could be fun in the playoffs, maybe win a game, but they're not going to – Can we talk about their other signing? Bogdan Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah, we should address that. Former King Bogdan Bogdanovich. The Hawks signed him to a four-year, $72 million deal that includes a 15% trade kicker and all these other random stipulations. Yeah, just we're so not going to get into all that fun stuff. Yeah, I don't want to talk about all that. But <laughs> what I will get to is the fact that Bogdan decided to sign with Atlanta over signing with another team, say the Kings, whoever else. Now, it is currently Monday when we're recording this. This is going to come out tomorrow on Tuesday, and you guys will know whether Bogdan is matched. I'm going to go out on a limb and say my sources are saying he is not going to get matched. He is not going to come back to the Kings. Atlanta is going to keep him. Let's get to the Sam Amick article, Caleb. Fire. Sam Amick dropped some news yesterday and it wasn't as much really an article it was just more update uh, did you happen to see it yesterday at all caleb i did not i saw people talking about it but i did not check it out well i wanted to address it with you because it has to do with the whole bogdan situation and what's going on with the king so what sam said was that first off let's get to this if there's no real viable market for a buddy heel trade as sources say, then the first-year Kings GM, Monty McNair, should be really reluctant about running it back with this group. Bogdan, whose presence means Buddy, remains an unhappy six-man, clearly wants to move on. So what I got from that is there's no market for Buddy Heald. I'm absolutely shocked to see that. I get the Buddy Heald drama, but I'm shocked. What do you think about that? Do you buy that? No, I don't, because we saw what shooters were getting paid in free agency. I find it hard to believe that Buddy Hield, like a top five, top six shooter in the league, find it hard to believe that he has no value. It would have to be a concern with like locker room issue or something that we're not aware of, but I don't think he has no trade value. I don't think the fact is that he has no value. According to Buddy's group, 
it's more of the Kings asking for too much. And I don't know if, again, I don't know what you buy in this, but this is just what's being said. What's also said is that more from Sam Amick that the Kings owner, Vivek Ranadive, who is known to be extremely involved as always, and with increasing influence of his son, Anil, McNair finds himself facing similar forces of past Kings DMs. There are questions already arising about whether Vivek is truly empowering McNair. Problem or no problem? That's a big problem because, for one, him being a voice in the GM's ear has, well, to be honest, it's kind of screwed you guys over a lot, right? I don't think that that's, I don't think it's good in any situation to really have the owner chirping in a lot when it comes to like the roster standpoint and everything, but he really has to take a step back and become like less involved, a lot less involved and let Monty McNair do his thing because in the draft, Monty McNair killed it for a first time GM. That was an amazing first year draft. I mean, we have to see how the players play, but in terms of value where guys were projected and everything, great, great draft. You got to let him, you got to let him spread his wings. You got to let him fly. You got to let him do his thing. I think it's a major problem. I think Vivek is way too involved as usual. And I just don't think he lets go of that power that he has being an owner because to me, it's like this, Caleb, when he goes to these owners meetings, you know, there's owners bragging about the shit that they do. They're like, Oh, I did this, or I got this guy, or I did this. And I think that gets to Vivek a little bit because at the end of the day, all these owners have egos. And yeah, while they hire general managers to do their jobs, a lot of the good ones will hire a general manager, stay out the way, and that's it. But some owners be like, okay, do this or do that or approve of this or deny that. And I think that lets them talk in the meetings with other owners and kind of bring themselves up. And I think Vivek goes in with that mentality that I need to do more stuff. I get it. I hired Monty. But I still need to tell him, like, and, and to me, I'll, I'll finish this and I'll get to what I think. So Sam finished it off saying that the pitch that McNair made to get the job was to build a team around the 22-year-old De'Aaron Fox with similarly aged players and that the 28-year-old Bogdan clearly wants to go. And, oh, by the way, there's a clear presence of a logjam now with Tyrese Halliburton. So the last thing he said was, The premise of this perspective is built largely on the previously mentioned idea that Buddy's trade market is relatively non-existent. If that's true, then keeping Bogdanovich is a purgatory move. If it's not, then perhaps you relieve pressure. But as they seek a fresh start, something's got to give. So what I'm getting from Sam is that he's saying Vivek wants Bogdan. McNair doesn't want Bogdan. I think McNair is like, you know what? I don't want more bad contracts. And I get it. If you guys saw last podcast, I was more on the, you have to sign Bogdan, you have to match it. But I'm actually against matching it. I changed my perspective, and here's why. I think if you don't match it, you let him go, whatever. You're not going to get much of an asset in general, even if you do keep him. Let him go, fine. You trade Buddy, most likely since we're hearing here that the Kings are asking for too much. Okay, I package Buddy, package Harrison, get rid of both of them, you only have one large deal left, and that's De'Aaron Fox for the next five years. After that, you take on bad contracts for first-rounders. You tank this year. You tell De'Aaron, hey, you have Tyrese and Marvin. That's it. 
you're going to have to make it with whatever talent you have around them. It's just going to be young guys. I know it's going to suck, but we're doing this to get you the future. What do you think about that? What, what do you think is the smarter way for the Kings to go? Go young. Sign young free agents. Uh, just go young because getting these older guys, it's not going to do you any good. Like, it's going to get you some extra wins. But at the end of the day, what does three extra wins really do for you? You're not going to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, sorry to break it to you, but maybe a great draft pick. It, like, this year draft, like 2021, on the surface, now, granted, take it with a grain of salt because things could change. It looks like a very good draft. And it looks like you could land that superstar number two, maybe even better than Fox. I don't want to get too crazy because Fox has been amazing in the NBA. But if you land a guy like Cade Cunningham, that boosts you a lot, right? And I think it's smarter to go young. If you go old, it's not – like, it doesn't do anything for you. All you do is you get an extra win. Okay, so what? Like, what does that really do for you in the grand scheme of things? It You're not going to make the playoffs. I think it harms you because by getting those extra wins, you're not really doing much. And right now, I love what Monty McNair's done. He hasn't signed anyone yet, and, and I love it. Why sign in a very weak free agent class where you're Sacramento? Sacramento's known that all they do, and Caleb, we talked about this with Richard. We remember this. Me and Richard were like, what was the last big free agent we signed? And we were like, Zebo and George Hill and just random guys. Guys that are at the tail end of their career that need a payday. Exactly. They just want to get money. And to me, it's like, we're not going to sign anyone, especially in a weak free agency class. Sacramento's not getting anyone big. There's no need to sign anyone crazy. Keep your salary. Who cares if you have salary space this year? Who cares if you have cap room? Save that. If I'm the Kings... Here's my thing. For the next five years, I want to have, and I know that this is going to sound extreme, but I'm genuinely being honest. For the next three to four years, at least, I want the Kings to be having cap space every single summer. Why? Because that can allow us to get picks in return, allow us to take on bad contracts. And bad contracts, I'm not talking about Gordon Hayward-style contracts. I'm not talking about something. That's just dumb, yeah. Something crazy. I'm talking about something like two-year deals that are teams that just want to get rid of. You take those – you build those guys. You just worry about your young core. You build that. I think that's really good. I hope the Kings go that route, but Vivek needs to stay the hell away. One team that also did the opposite of what I wanted the Kings to do was the Detroit Pistons. And, again, if you guys listened, I said the one team last week that I had no clue what they were doing during the draft was Detroit Pistons. And not because of what they were doing with Killian Hayes. I, again, I really like Killian Hayes. But they signed Jeremy Grant, Jaleel Okafor, Mason Plumlee, and Josh Jackson. And at the same time, they probably lost their best player and one of the best young players in Christian Wood. Yeah. Caleb, what's going on with the Pistons? They also shipped out Luke Kennard, too. And, I mean, Luke Kennard's kind of like a – I don't know. Like a – I don't know. He, he can shoot, right? He can score. Losing those guys and replacing them with – Literally the opposite of what you said you wanted the Kings to do with older guys that are kind of at their ceiling. Like the Josh Jackson deal, I'm all for. That's the kind of signings that teams like the Kings and Pistons should make. Throw money at these young guys that have had trouble. Maybe they can bounce back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But Jeremy Grant, what does that do for you? He had a good playoff run, right? But the Pistons aren't making the playoffs. There's no need to sign him. 
It just um, makes no sense. Sorry to interrupt. But to me, why do you sign a guy like Jeremy Grant when he's not there for your window, right? And I don't know what the Pistons' window right now is. To me, it looks like, okay, they're going with Sekou and Killian, and they're, they want to build around these younger guys. But to me, then go keep Christian Wood. Start playing Killian Hayes 30, 35 minutes a game so you get him acclimated. Play Sekou a lot more minutes. You play these young guys minutes. Mason Plumlee should not be going to a team like Detroit. He should be going to a playoff. He should be on a team like Denver. That's the team he fits in. I love Mason Plumlee. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a, one of the best centers to have if you're a playoff team. I genuinely. But to lose him to Detroit, that it's a team that's like, you're not trying to make the playoffs. Or I guess, you know what? Maybe they are. Who knows? Maybe we don't know Detroit's plan. I guess their plan isn't, okay, we're trying to build for the future. We're just going to try to make the playoffs. Because some teams have that. But that's such a dumb way to do it. You're selling out for a two-year window where your ceiling is literally at tops a six seed. Why? Why sell out for that? It doesn't make sense. Listen, you're selling out your future for that. And, and like, okay, Sekou Dumboya, that was my favorite player in last year's class, right? He's not going to see the floor more than 10 minutes a game, if that, okay? You ruined his development. Congrats. You drafted Sadiq Bey, who – Remember in our draft podcast with Richard, I like Sadiq Bay. But what does the extra value give you? He's older, right? He doesn't give you any more value right now. You you shouldn't. I don't even get the Sadiq Bay pickup for them because I, I really like Sadiq Bay. But again, to me, a team like Detroit is not looking for these high floor guys and. I mean, I could be wrong. Sadiq Bey could be a lot better. And I'm not saying that he's going to be bad. I just think his ceiling is going to be what his ceiling is versus these other guys, even a Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes has – the ceiling is through the – the ceiling is the roof. You know, yeah. that, that, that's what I think with Killian Hayes, and I think he has it. But I don't understand Detroit. You guys will hear me saying this over and over again. I probably won't talk about Detroit again because you know what they're going to do in the playoffs, even in the season. Ninth seed, 10th seed, bye. Good luck. 13th pick again. What's their starting lineup look like? Is it going to be Killian Hayes, a random guard? It's going to be Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, and Mason Plumley. That's your starters. It, it looks on paper like a good starting five, but none of the other stuff on the bench fits. It doesn't, it's all mismatched. So you sold out for a sixth seed and a first round exit. Congrats, I guess. I don't even know if you want to brag about that. Well, I know a team that does want to brag, and that's the Miami Heat. They had a hell of a season, and um, they, they did a good offseason. They, they got Drogic back, and they also got Myers Leonard back. That one is a little funny to me. Myers Leonard, I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't want to spoil it. Myers Leonard is making two years $20 million. That is more than Montrez Harrell makes. Again, speaking to Rich Paul, Rich Paul screws his clients over, but I like what Miami did. I'll give him a B plus. I think Miami didn't need to improve too much. They, they have what they have and they're building again. Their window is not right now. They luckily happen to jump. They're, they're one of those teams that are much younger and just happen to play in a higher league in the big kids league. And, and it, it doesn't do them any harm. They did well in the big kids league. So them playing back and worrying about, oh, well, we're just trying to stay in the kids league for now. That's all. That's good enough. They're not in a championship window. I love what Miami did. They, they had a good draft. I like Precious and GY. I think he fits. I think he fits their culture really well. And they lost on, they lost Jay Crowder because he signed with Phoenix. Um, 
I like Jay because he was a Celtic. I really, I was one of the few Celtics fans that was like sad to see him go. But I don't think you lose a ton with him. Um, Derek Jones, he left, but you don't lose a ton with him. I, I, I don't think they got worse. I like, I like what they did. They did good. Yeah, I like what Miami did. Um, I think that they did well for a team that doesn't need to do too much. And we see that times with teams that they don't make it to the championship. And, I mean, they, they made it to the finals, but they were, what, two games out of possibly being NBA champions. So, for them, great job. And another team that I think did a great job was Portland. Portland, I thought they completely filled out their starting five. They yeah. traded for Robert Covington. They signed Carmelo Anthony back. I think that's a great pickup for them. Bro, I love Carmelo. Really I'm so happy to see him get a chance. And I'm happy to see him stay and just be happy with his role. I, I love Carmelo. I, they're not going to win a championship, but I like it there. And Carmelo's not really worried about winning a championship anymore. I think he tried forcing that for a few years. But to him, it's like, why not go to a team where you fit, where you can end your career well, and you're not just being dragged off the floor as some legend that isn't very good anymore, but it's playing on a championship team. I would ra much rather see him play on a team where he can actually get minutes and make an impact. Like when I saw him tear it up in Orlando, I was getting hyped. I felt like New York Melo was in the building. So yeah. I like that. Rodney Hood, I think he just tore his Achilles about like six months ago. I think that's a good pickup for them. They got him for cheap. Yeah. We don't really know. Achilles, it's, it's, it's hit or miss now. Last one they signed was H. Jizzle, Harry Giles. That sucks, man. That really sucks. I wanted Boston to go after him so bad. I wanted us to keep him so bad. I don't understand why people hate Harry Giles. Abe, I'm talking right to you right now. Oh, I'm going to talk to Abe in a little bit. Abe, I, I have something planned for you, okay? I'll get to you. But Harry Giles, great pickup for Portland. They always do this. They got guys like Wenyan Gabriel in the past, like Scala BCA. They get these projects bigs and they have a good developmental system especially mm -hmm. for big men so I think that's a great pickup for them I'm sad for Harry not because I'm a Kings fan and I wish he stayed obviously I'm sad about that but I really wanted to see him go to Toronto I thought he had a huge huge spot there but I just don't see how much minutes he gets in Portland I mean with Yusuf Nurkic with Zach Collins coming back and probably playing more minutes hey, next year. They brought no Cantor back. Can't, and Yannis Cantor. Truthfully, I'll admit this one thing. The best version of Cantor that I Portland. saw was in Portland. And he's a great fit there. So Harry Giles is behind all those bigs. Like, he's not going to get playing time. And it's rumored that Harry Giles took less money from Portland because – I don't know if he felt betrayed from the Kings front office. I don't know if that's a true rumor, but uh, reportedly he turned down the Kings who gave him more money. So yeah, it sucks. It Hopefully sucks. it works out for him in Portland. I love Harry. I'll be rooting him on. Uh, I'll have my Portland Harry job. I don't know if that's a good fit. I just, I don't know. I want to see him go to Toronto to be honest with you. And I hate the Raptors, but I wanted to see him in Toronto. They have, dude, the, the Raptors are so good at developing talent. Why couldn't they have just – I would have probably cried, though, if he would have been developed correctly. True. I know Abe wouldn't have because Abe hates him for some – Abe, why? Why? Uh, Caleb, I, I want to ask you, you talk about fit with Harry Giles in Portland. Another questionable fit to me 
that just happened today was DeMarcus Cousins signing a one-year non-guaranteed deal to Houston. What are your thoughts on that? Didn't Houston sign Christian Wood? But yeah, Houston got Christian Wood. I mean, great pickup. But Boogie, I don't know. I, I know Kings fans. I feel like from an outsider's perspective, I feel like the vast majority of Kings fans weren't fond of how it all ended with Boogie. But I feel like over the years, they've really warmed back up to him and really like him. I would have liked to see him go back to Sacramento, to be 100% honest with you. I think it would have been a good, I think it would have been a good fit, honestly. It would have been a better fit in Sacramento than Houston. I think it would have been a good fit, but I think there was probably a higher chance of Lottie Divac coming back and saying that I should have drafted Luka Doncic. I'm an idiot. I think that's probably a higher probability. Yeah. Only because – But, dude, I, Grant Napier's gone, dude. Yeah, I mean – You don't like that? No, I'm like – I mean, if he doesn't like that, then he can't have his job back. So, hey, clearly he didn't like that. But, again, DeMarcus in Sacramento I think would have been a good fit. But we're going young. Like I said, that doesn't make sense to get guys like DeMarcus. I get it on the long-term status where you're just like, eh. I mean, if he returns back to somewhat normal, that's a good, like, three-, four-year piece. But To give you, like, an analogy that, like, the Pirates, like, I want them to do with the Kings. Like, I want the Kings to do. Like, I want them to go after young guys. But if Andrew McCutcheon was available, sign Andrew McCutcheon back. Like, you know what I mean? That's just like a legacy thing. Like, oh, he was here before. Like, he was what kind of gave us excitement as fans. And I well, like that's see- where I think you're partially wrong is wow, later. Well, you did say that Kings fans felt some type of way about DeMarcus, but I think they always loved DeMarcus. And we were just knowing to the fact that he ain't coming back with Blotty. Like, yeah. he's not about to come back. I think Kings fans have desperately wanted him back, but, like, it's not a serious, I would love DeMarcus back. It's just kind of like, eh, I would love him back just yeah. for nostalgia purposes, you know? Mm-hmm. But, again, I don't know about the long-term fit in Houston. Hopefully it works out. I love DeMarcus, so I'm hoping everything works out for him. Um, and his former teammate, Anthony Davis, recently said that he might take a one-in-one deal. And the reason for that is, he wants to give the Lakers enough cap space to pursue Giannis Antetokounmpo. Caleb, when should I stop watching basketball? We both stop if that happens. Um, I know what I'm tired of. I'm tired of people saying, well, LeBron, Giannis, and Anthony Davis, from an analytics standpoint, they don't I'm really tired of the Lakers. Sorry. Yes, I agree. But I'm tired of people saying, like, these three stars don't really fit together analytically. Because it just doesn't make sense to see LeBron, Giannis, and Anthony Davis on the court together. It just wouldn't fit. Those are the top three players in basketball, you moron. They're, you're not, nobody's beating that. Sorry to get angry. I'm sorry. I, I digress. Actually, if you were offended by that, I really apologize to you. No, I, I yelled because I hate the Lakers. And seeing this got, gets my blood boiling sometimes. Yeah. And the fact that Laker fans legitimately think – Giannis is a typical soft American player is funny because Giannis Antetokounmpo is built different. Caleb Miller, do you understand? Oh, he's built different. All right. Giannis is a player that's probably one of the more loyal players in the league. I would say he's not one of these players that's just bouncing around looking for the next team, calling somebody in the parking lot for, for a new teammate. Draymond. He's not the guy that's going to run around and ask for new teammates every year, Kevin Durant. 
He's the type of guy to me, honest, on a serious note, I think Giannis is not leaving for the Lakers. He's always had that battle with LeBron and the MVP battle and, and the games of who's better and who's king. And I think when they do the little crown on LeBron's head, well, I think that gets to Giannis. Yeah, but it's I, cool. It's really cool. Cool. I think it is cool. But I think Giannis gets triggered by LeBron kind of like Kevin Durant does. And this is the same stories. If you remember this, Caleb, Kevin Durant's a free agent. Oh, he might sign with LeBron. He might sign with the Lakers. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Again, all jokes aside about Durant. Durant would never play with LeBron. Giannis is never going to play with LeBron. This is not real news. Get over it. Winehorse's fat ass needs to shut up. I think that Giannis staying in Milwaukee, like let's just say he agrees with contract extension, right? I would imagine that that sparks something in the NBA where you see a lot of players taking a similar route, saying that, listen, I don't want to build that super team. Like, if Giannis is able to stay in Milwaukee and win a championship, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that changes the course of how the NBA landscape will be for a while because teams are going to – I imagine some players are like, I'm not taking the easy way out. Look at Giannis. He didn't take the easy way out, and he has this extremely high pedestal now because people are like, look at him. He did it the right way. And there is no right or wrong way to win a championship. There's a preferred way, but – there's a wrong way. It's the Laker way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Duh. But I don't know. I just – I think if Giannis stays, it could change a lot in the NBA. I just want to see players stay with their teams. I genuinely do. Again, you might say that's King's bias because we can't get anybody and, yeah. you know, that we get lucky enough to even have a player. But I'm serious. I want to see these small markets actually be able to keep these players. Like – when was the last time Milwaukee was relevant? I genuinely do not remember. Oscar Robertson? <laughs> when I would watch games, the, literally the only time I would watch a Milwaukee game, I remember. I had NBA TV. It was several years ago. Derrick Rose's rookie year. Derrick Rose and the Chicago Bulls are absolutely dominating that game. And the whole crowd is just a Chicago crowd. It was all yeah. Bulls, man. And that's unfortunate because – they don't have anything to look forward to. And I get it. Not everyone's built like Kings fans where you show up no matter who's there. Yeah. The Kings don't really care. But a lot of these other small markets, they don't have young players that are their future. So they don't care. And then they eventually, they know these, these markets know that they're going to leave. Uh, most yeah. people in Milwaukee are probably terrified of Bob Myers calling, of Steph calling, of Jimmy Butler or Pat Riley calling. I mean, Miami, San Francisco, LA, there's so many more appealing places for all these players to go to. And and notice how I didn't mention Boston because it's not one of those places. But. Yeah, it's a small market. <laughs> I don't actually think it's a small market. That's an argument that somebody made on Twitter.com. Uh, me and Amir are in a group chat together. And for some unexplained reason, one of the people in there said – Boston's a small market, and it's not a small market. No, can, can, I, can, I, can I justify? He said, Boston is one of the best small market teams in the NBA. Okay, so there you go. They're one of the best small market teams. No, they're not a small market team. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being biased and bragging up my, my, my team as a giant market, but I do not think that Boston is anywhere near a small market team. 
Just because they don't have the same eye appeal. The only thing that's giant in Boston is Glenn Davis. We're moving on. Let's go to the Wizards. That's uncalled for. Let's talk about the Wizards. The Wizards GM, Tommy Shepard, says that John Wall doesn't want out and that he never requested a trade. He came out today pretty much just denying the whole John Wall situation. We talked about it last week about the John Wall to Houston rumors. How about those John Wall to Houston rumors, Caleb? With DeMarcus there, we've heard about the past four or five years that DeMarcus and John Wall want to play together. Might happen. What do you think? If it does happen, like, what, like okay, it's going to be Westbrook for Wall. Like, that Dude, a torn Achilles John Wall and a torn Achilles DeMarcus Cousins? Like, you don't want to lose to them. Those deep fry memes are going to be oh. insane. Dude, NBA Twitter is going to have a field day with that. A Westbrook for Wall trade would have been cool, like, six years ago like that would have been like what that would have been groundbreaking but now it's just two wash guys that are like going to the other person's team and it's like okay now what dude that's like signing jeff teague like it's like okay shut the hell up it's like signing jeff green if you're brooklyn like what does that do for you hey i kind of like that pickup i like jeff green honestly dude i love jeff green and i saw a cool tweet did you know that jeff green and kevin durant are the last two remaining seattle supersonics in the nba now, Russell Westbrook had his name called by the Supersonics, but he never played for them. Sorry, I never heard of that fake franchise. Wow. Well, Sacramento might end up there one day. Nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm sorry. That struck a nerve. I apologize. I apologize. You know what else struck a nerve is Abe, and I want to talk about that right now. Yes, finally. Finally. Caleb and I are going to go for our rants of the day, and we're going to do this once every week, hopefully. Let's get right to it. Abe Ibrahim Rashid, if you're listening to this, I have a lot of beef with you right now. This guy is the biggest Harry Giles hater. He has been a Harry Giles hater for two years now. When we had Harry Giles, this man, anytime Harry Giles would be on the court, he'd be like, all Harry does is, does is foul. All he does is turn the ball over. Can we get him off the court? Blah, 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 blah. And then when Harry Giles was going to run, what would Abe do? Oh, let's see. Abe would say, wow, I love Harry Giles. What are you talking about? I'm a big Harry Giles fan. No, Abe, you know what you are? You're a Harry haterator. All right, so we don't want to hear it. And, and you know what he does? He's constantly saying that Harry is a scrub. He says that Harry is not good. It makes no sense to me to hate on a guy like Harry Giles, to call him trash. Like, it's one thing to call these other big men trash, like Hassan Whiteside, you know, these guys that are just, you know, again, Scal. Abe said that he would rather have Scal, the BCA, and Wenyan Gabriel over him. It makes no sense to me. Harry Giles is one of the best young passing big men in the NBA. He's one of the rare talents you can find. It, I don't understand how you are going to hate on a number 20 pick. I would get it. He's a top five pick. Abe! Where's your Marvin Bagley hate, huh? Dude's a scrub. Like, he's not good. Marvin Bagley is not good. And yet there's so many Kings fans refuse to accept the fact that, oh, Marvin Bagley is not good. Hey, guess what? Newsflash, Harry Giles is more talented than Marvin Bagley. Yes, I just said that. And why? Overall talent. Let's look at it. Caleb, don't give me that face. You know you agree with me. I do. I'm just shocked right now. I never saw, I never seen you act like this before. I don't get it. I, I don't see how you can say that 
Harry Giles is bad, but then you're going to consistently make excuses for Marvin Bagley. And I'm not just talking about Abe anymore. I'm talking about a ton of Kings fans. And this is not really as much him. This is more Kings fans. You guys hype up these players, and I get it. Harry Giles is fan favorite. I am not saying the Kings should have kept Harry Giles. No. All I'm saying is Vladdy made a mistake, and anybody that's saying he did it is dumb. Like, and then to say that Harry Giles is lazy, bro. Caleb, Harry Giles was posting every single day in the summer in the gym. I don't know where that news came from. I'll tell you personally, Harry Giles is not lazy. He doesn't, he, he might've came out of shape, but why? Because he's rehabbing a knee. Abe, come talk to me. Let's fight. I know you're in New York. Come fly out here. I want to fight you. And I, 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 I'm just done. I'm done over the Harry hate. I'm done. Abe, all I want to say is that you shattered my heart yesterday. I didn't know that this was such a, a hatred thing for Harry Giles. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, like Amir says, he's injured. He's been through injuries. But, you know, a lot of guys in his situation wouldn't have made it this far. They would have quit, right? They would have turned away. They would have said, I can't do it. But Giles had an elite skill translate to the NBA. It's not defense, that's for sure. But his passing ability – realistically speaking, he's a top seven passing big in the NBA, right? That's an elite skill that most centers, I'd say 75% of centers do not have an elite skill. Giles has one. So you can always think, what if, you know, what if the injuries didn't happen? But I don't see a reason to hate Harry Giles now. If you do pull the excuse about the John Collins thing, where I hate John Collins because of his fans, then I'll understand it. But you know what that basically means? That basically means you hate me because I'm a Harry Giles fan. So. He hates me too, so. Wow, so Abe hates us. Now, Abe, once you do listen to this, we are extending you an invitation to come on to the next episode and defend yourself. It'll be at the very front of the episode, so you can, you can, you can join, spend 10 minutes defending yourself, and then you can bounce. But this is an open invitation. It's up to you to decide. You heard that here first, guys. We're willing to bring on Abe. Caleb, I have my rant. What's yours? I know you were talking this week about a certain part of Celtics Twitter. Can you? Can yeah, you weird Celtics Twitter. They're all weird. Listen to me. And hear, hear me and hear me good. I do not like those. Well, well. Hear me and hear me well. But I like good better. Listen to me. God damn it. Listen to me and let me talk. I don't like weird Celtics Twitter. Okay, listen. It started out cool. It started out pretty fun. It was pretty funky, if I do say so myself. It was cool. It was just a group of, like, I don't know, like 15 Celtics fans that got on Twitter. Like, the OGs of it all, cool. I don't have a problem with you. Like, you guys are cool. They got on Twitter. They'd make cool edits. They'd watch games and make funky, like, comparisons and stuff. It was funny. It was, it was, it was pretty entertaining at first, right? This happened in 2016-17. So, when the Celtics and Wizards got in that big fight, weird Celtics Twitter was popping off. I was like, man, this is pretty cool. Like, I have no problem with these guys. And then the outsiders started to join in. And they just made it way worse. These guys are the weirdest people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that this is going to hurt people the wrong way, but they really weird me out. Anna Horford tweeted and said, only weird Celtics Twitter gets it. And I, I quoted it and said, please shut the hell up. And one of those – Why are you harassing women on Twitter, Caleb? I'm not harassing women on Twitter. I'm harassing women that like weird Celtics Twitter. That's very different. Those aren't women. Those are – anyways, some, one of them commented – on the tweet and says, bad look, bro. And I quote it and said, please, 
please kill yourself. Well, I didn't say that. But one of the guys commented and said, bad look, bro. And I quoted it and said, I really couldn't care less. And he said, wow, I really wish I could be as cool as you and not care. That's not cool. It's, it's, there's nothing about that. It's, that's like a, that's something a seventh grader would say to like an adult, like, wow, I really wish I couldn't care. Like, shut the hell up. Hey, it's a pretty unique skill to not care, Caleb. You, you got to improve I guess. to get there. I got your point. Celtics Twitter, they've always been weird. I'm in a Celtics group with Caleb and many of his Celtics friends. And um, let's just say that, you know, they try, but sometimes they can be a little weird. And I can see why weird Celtics Twitter doesn't just relate to the hashtag, but it relates to pretty much all Celtics fans. Whoa. No, 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 Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Can I give uh, a shout out real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm in another Celtics group chat that's, that's like full of like actual decent human beings. Like they're cool. And there's one kid in there who just started his YouTube channel, right? Well, he's actually not a kid. I think he's in college. Very good friend. I've known him for about like two and a half, three years. His name, his at on Twitter is the lucky devil. Huh? What is it here? Hold on. It is the lucky devil seven. He's a Duke and Boston Celtics fan. Say about that what you want, but he just started a YouTube channel. He has one video up where he's talking about the Celtics and their felled off season, right? Very clickbaity, but he's very smart. I, li- I watched it, listened to it. Very intelligent conversation. He has another video coming up. So go ahead and just check that out on Twitter. Give him, give him a follow and tell him Caleb sent you. Thanks. How much are they paying? 20 bucks. I kept, I pocketed the, I pocketed the money. I'm not sending a mirror any of it. Dan, I need a new partner. <laughs> Thanks guys for tuning in to our free agency special. This week was fun. We got a lot of free agency news out. We'll find out soon about Bogdanovich. We'll find out soon about the rest of free agents. But until then, hold on tight, have fun. Caleb, we like to do this at the end of every video. I have one today. All right, you start it off. Thanksgiving dinner. What is your plan for Thanksgiving? Listen, I do not eat a normal Thanksgiving meal, okay? And this is gonna this is gonna weird people out because my Thanksgiving meal is literally here's what I eat. Turkey and mashed potatoes. That's it. No gravy, no corn, no sweet potatoes, no pumpkin pie, nothing. I eat literally turkey and mashed potatoes. And I know people are like, that's that's a that's a plate that a seven-year-old would make. And yeah, it is, okay? I'll admit it. But darn it, it's good food, okay? And I eat it. And you know Is it really good? Because it doesn't t- sound good in any way. Turkey and mashed potatoes? That's literally like the main thing of it's good, but I don't eat stuffing either, which is very weird. I will admit that because stuffing, like, that's literally Thanksgiving. It's only turkey and stuffing, but I don't like it. So I don't know. What, what's your plate going to look like? You probably eat Skittles and Swedish fish and call it a meal, you freak. No, I actually eat real human food, and that human food includes turkey. I eat that. Mashed potatoes. Oh, my, that's, that's exactly what I eat. Mashed potatoes, corn, mac and cheese some rice maybe it's a whole meal and you guys will see it i'll post it i'll post it on our dimers podcast page so you guys can go check it out just to piss off caleb because i know he's gonna be like what how'd you eat that i'm over here eating freaking cheese and turkey 
Because, you know, Caleb, he's still eating his string cheese for dinner. You got to get him better. You Bro, I literally had, better. I literally had like three slices of Longhorn cheese today for dinner. <laughs> Guys, please. I can't help it. 1-800-SAVE-A-CHILD, please. <laughs> get Caleb some good food. What's your favorite? I mean, actually, well, I can't even ask you what's your favorite meal of Thanksgiving is. I can tell you what my favorite meal in general is. Butter popcorn. Now I'm playing. That ain't it. Uh, my favorite meal, probably if all right, if you put a pulled pork sandwich in front of me, I will, I'll put that in a headlock. But anything else, I don't really have like a favorite meal. Why would you put food in a headlock? That's just what I say. Like you know, you put it in a headlock and you, you know, you bite it down. I don't know. It's weird. I'm weird though. What can I say? I'm white. Gosh darn it. Thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully the Raiders get another win. Our Raiders got a win this week. No, they did it. Ah, they lost. Yeah, we won. I don't care. We won. I don't care. More victories. Let's go. If the Raiders win two weeks in a row, Caleb and I will be doing a Raiders podcast. No, I'm sure. Shirtless, right? <laughs> All right, whatever, guys. I'll catch y'all next week. Peace. <laughs> Why would we do a shirtless podcast? That guy didn't actually pay me $20 for that. I don't know if you knew that or not. I just said it, I pocketed it just to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him I shouted him out, and he goes, oh, oh. send me that gift. Let's go. He's really a child. Do you like my phone? It has three, three cameras. Next time you give out a shout out for free, oh. you are literally getting banned from the podcast, and you're getting sued.